It's 7.46 a.m. Are you ready for some morning drive time? <laughs> and I'll be the super unfunny female. <laughs> yeah, guys. <laughs> so how was your weekend? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We need Brendan. I need a soundboard. Yeah. Sound effect, Brendan. That everyone yeah. sounded weak? Yeah. You're weak. Sound like someone Is that pretty good? No. Her, it tickles. Girls no. can't do sound effects. <laughs> How do you like that? Don't, don't say that. Let's remember Division <laughs> and the dolphin. That still blows uh, my mind. Yeah. What was her face? You know what's really yeah. not funny when anybody, really. especially women, do a crying baby sound? Like this, mm. like from Kung, Kung no, Pao. Makes me wanna like just chop their heads off. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, like they think like they're really cool and and you know like can do a great impression and it's a crying baby and you're just like, all right. Uh, I have no idea which number episode this is five. So another episode of Chimp Chat and Chill. This is a podcast where members of Crown Chimp Films and particular outsiders that we like might stop by um, film crew basically talking about movies and TV and dick sizes so here today we got good old Mike Clark sound guy right now he's checking his levels hey Mike are, are you even talking today yeah, yeah. okay good yeah. I wasn't sure because you didn't answer right away oh and then Matt <laughs> King uh, how's it going Matt <laughs> Nice. Matt King is a producer and an editor here. And he also can write um, with pencils, right? And then Drew. Hey, Drew. Hey. Drew is a writer-producer for Crown Chimp Films. What's up? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you, Sonny? Good. Um, and then hey, we you have... you know what day it is? My favorite day of the week. Yay. Can you do the air horn, please? Uh, all right. We also have John Proudstar. Uh, air horn, please. Okay. So, okay. hey, John. <laughs> Thanks for that awesome air horn. <laughs> so John is also a script writer, and he's an actor. And um, overall, he also likes Star Trek. <laughs> wow. The women are just like, I gotta meet him. And just the panties, that sound is panties dropping all over. Like, we've lost the entire yeah. audience because they're masturbating. Yeah, yeah right now. Oh. Damn. I, well, just me, maybe. <laughs> After Googling David Carradine, right? Um, so, yeah, and I'm Sonia, an associate producer, a.k.a. Ass Pro, and uh, here at Crown Chimp. Um, not really doing makeup so much anymore. <laughs> So, I don't know why I even mentioned it. Why did I mention it? I don't know. Do you miss it? <laughs> Not really. Okay. Um, so, today our subject is A24. A24. Um, mainly we're going to talk about A24 films. And also, later on, after Matt edits everything down to a T, um, we're going to talk about television in the last five years or so. Um, but also kind of 
what they call OTT, um, which is a bunch of other types of series, 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 programming outside of your regular standard table stuff. So. What does that stand for? <laughs> other people's property. Um, oh no! Other people's topity. Other people's topity. Um, <laughs> over the top. Yeah, it's over the top media. Uh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> um, so A twenty four is. Uh, I, I looked them up on Wikipedia. Have you heard of Wikipedia, you guys? It's this new thing you can look up things and it tells you about stuff. It, you mean Google? <laughs> yeah, it's like a subdivision of Google. Ah. But. You mean the first link that pulls up in a Google search? Exactly. Hey, does anyone use Foxfire anymore? I use Foxfire occasionally. Oh, okay. I don't know on it's still around. I only use AltaVista or Ask Jeeves <laughs> on Foxfire, though. So, I like to do Bing searches myself. <laughs> so you don't like to find anything relevant? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At a certain age, you just switch over to Bing. <laughs> you're 65. Here's your ARP card. Yeah. Here's here's your discount at Furs, and here's uh, Bing is now your homepage. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Um, so I did Wikipedia this, and don't just let me finish one sentence without interrupting, because I know you guys hate it when I describe something, right? They do. You weren't here, John. You don't know that they all freak out when I talk too long. <laughs> okay, A24 is an American independent motion picture company formed in 2012. It's not even that long ago. Um, by marketing and distributing distribution veterans, Daniel Katz, David Finkel, and John Hodges. I don't know. I don't know who they are, and they don't know who I am either. So, um, But yeah, it's, it's a distribution company. And we're talking about these guys because their films are really kind of weird and quirky and right up our alley. Um, I really have liked... Eh, I don't know. I haven't seen all A24 films. I don't think any of us have, but almost every one that I've watched, I liked or at least liked aspects of it. So they, they definitely distribute kind of unusual, really kind of indie stuff. So it's cool to see these films popping up, um, you know, in, in theaters with major distribution. So um, the new one they have coming out is American Honey with uh, Shia LaBeouf. And that one looks pretty cool. Looks super low budget. Um, it's about an 18-year-old runaway, which Drew will probably enjoy. I'm into um, it. Joins a group of teenagers who party and break the law while driving across the Midwest to sell magazine subscriptions. Sounds like another A24 film. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Did they do that Swiss Army dude? Yes. yes. Yeah. So John and I went and saw Swiss Army Man, um, and I know Mike saw it as well, right? Did you guys see it, Drew? Mm -hmm. And okay. So, <laughs> it's Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. And uh, Paul Dano's a weird dude. I mean, I wasn't sure if I liked his direction of, of choices, I guess. Is that, that's a really weird way of putting it, right? But he just seemed to be, like, getting bitch-slapped around in the last few movies that I saw. Like, that was everything I saw him in. He was just getting beaten up. Um, so I wasn't sure what was happening with him because I really think he's a great actor, but... I, I mean, I want to keep seeing him in weird films like this. I think he's like an unusual looking dude. He's perfect for independent films and, you know, got a, uh, he's got a lot of skill. So this is about like um, a dude who's stranded on a desert island and he's like bored and lonely and Hank is this dead body that washes up to his shore. And then from there it gets way wacky. Um, I think wacky is perfect term 
for the film. So uh, after the movie ended, I turned to John and said, um, I really liked it. And he said, I can't believe none of my films are being made. <laughs> um, who are the directors again? The these They did that one Pockets short film. Do you remember the name? Um, I can pull it up. It's right here in front of me. You might have it faster than me. So we just watched that. It's a short film called Pockets that they did. Quan. Quan and Shiner. It's the last names. Daniel and Daniel. Yeah, the Daniels. Duh, the Daniels. So um, they do a lot of interesting stuff with kind of like just physicality. of um, A lot of like weird, you know, like CGI kind of manipulating bodies around to do different kinds of creepy looking things. So Pockets was like that. And then Swiss Army Man was just like doing a lot of that too with this guy's body. I mean, he's basically used like a Swiss Army knife. Um, but it gets really deep. It gets kind of like really into just like meaning of life shit like the whole time it's just a bunch of like you know this body is gaseous and constantly releasing gas i can't say the fart word i just said it um but uh he (laughs) he uh it's just disgusting it's like but there's a lot of f jokes fart is disgusting i hate that word really i never knew that ah it's like utensils and groceries and shopping cart Did you just do He hates that? those words. Oh my god. But what is what you liked it, right, Mike? What did you think about it in in general about this movie? In general, it was just one of the most original things I've ever seen. I mean, never would I thought taking a human body and making it into the analog of a Swiss army knife. I, I never would have visualized something like that ever. And to come up with that idea to make it, you know, re- reality, I thought was really, really clever. And, you know, it started off very serious, very dramatic, you know, but then it turned completely psychological with all the mm-hmm. stuff that was going on. And, uh, yeah, I... <laughs> it was just a hoot to see Harry Potter, you know, with his with his boner. Whenever he whenever he sees like a pretty girl, his boner leads towards home. So uh, I don't appreciate I mean, you calling Daniel Radcliffe Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I let's, do. Let's, let's let's remember that he was he was typecast. You know, he uh, is he's Harry the Potter. guy from Equius who has sex with the horse. Okay, I'm not this again. His best role. Yes. This is a theme today. Uh, he also grows horns out of his head and mm-hmm. has sex with Juno Temple. Mm-hmm. So horns. Horns. Oh, I haven't horns. seen horns. I haven't seen it's horns. good. So he's really avant-garde, this this kid. (laughs) And it was cool to see Paul Dano. Um, The last movie I thought he really stood out in was There Will Be Blood. And I loved when he was beaten to death with a bowling pin. (laughs) It was exceptional and visceral and amazing. And to hear him whining and bitching all the time again just brought back all the (laughs) best things that I loved about There Will Be Blood and him in it. So, yeah. yeah, overall. Yeah, enjoyed it. Nice. You didn't see um, uh, Ten Years a Slave? Paul Dano. I did not see Ten Years a Slave. Gets slapped around, I think, in that too. uh, The whole issue with it in the Oscars kind of just made me say no. Isn't it 12 years a slave? Is it 12 years? I don't. I'm sure it was way more years than that. (laughs) A lot of of years. Well, the way I see it, you might as well round it down to 10. (laughs) 
Mm. All right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Nine years in Tibet was really good. Too. They're going wow when when this is on record. <laughs> okay. wow. 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 So, John, you didn't really like Swiss Army Men. Why not? Uh, there were aspects about it that I did like, and it was a little too kooky for me, and it throws me off as far as, you know, being a filmmaker, mm-hmm. you're, you know, if you want to make films for the industry, like, mm-hmm. that's the last thing you want to make. Uh, and I, I often ask myself, like, if I was working for a company and this script came across my desk, yeah, I would just be like, dude, are you on drugs, man? Like, right. is, this, are you, is this real? It happens all the time. I think these guys had a relationship and they proved themselves otherwise. Um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I did no like way. a lot of the symbology and stuff like that and seeing Ratcliffe in such a weird role. Um, I mean, it was a well-made film. I just, for me, it, it just kind of removed me from the story too much. Yeah, it was, it took me a long time to just sink back and yeah. just kind of be like, just accept that this is their world <laughs> yeah. that they created. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ending, though, was pretty fucking stupid. Like. That I you could have gone so many different ways with that ending, and I was just like, it was like, dun, 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 you know, like a Looney Tunes ending. It was just Explain didn't it make any detail. sense. <laughs> the ending? No, I'm just oh, kidding. okay. But as a filmmaker, <laughs> when I leave the theater, it's what I leave the theater with that I value the film on. And when I left the theater, unfortunately, I just felt like I ate a bunch of tofu. <laughs> and I, was like, I liked. That sounds horrible. I did like the scene in the like Must bus. Had a bunch of soy sauce. The bus that they recreated was really nice. <laughs> yeah, so. the bus scene was. Awesome. That was really cool. You, know, you don't. You guys don't know. Sonny, you know, this is kind of touching on something that you and I talked about a little bit, where the film industry is so mainstream and you know there's a reason we have six transformers movies and four ninja turtles movies that that maybe it has to be this wackadoo to get made because if you make a good script that's sort of in line with what hollywood wants to make like why the hell would they make it you know when they can make another michael bay movie that they know they'll make half a billion dollars on so maybe that that's the nice part about A24 is that they're taking these things that are such a risk yeah. and so different and th- that's what it takes to get noticed I think everybody's got a got a DSLR everybody mm-hmm. can make a movie or write a script or whatever so how do we how do we differentiate ourselves by right. Daniel Radcliffe's boner <laughs> it was a compass well too. they really stuck to their vision I'll say that you know they really stayed true yeah to it through the whole film. That would be great to have that kind of control, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so, all right, let's talk about Green Room. Who, anybody see it? I have not seen it. We're all just a bunch of bums. I've seen it yet. So no one's seen Green Room? It keeps getting recommended to me over and over again and saying it? I would really enjoy it. Um, uh, unfortunately, Anton Yelchin was in it. And, uh, yeah, it's A24. Uh, yeah, Patrick Stewart. Oh, it lost, it was it lost money. There's two, there's two Star Trek guys in Green Room. Uh, I think so. Yeah, and, Patrick Stewart was definitely in that. I, he's in. The, oh yeah. He's on the cover art for the Imogen Poots. It says members of a punk rock band and a tough young woman battle murderous white supremacists at a remote Oregon roadhouse. I always I thought the previews looked really cool and I definitely want to check it out. Um, I thought someone would have seen it, but no. Let's just move on. Um, okay. <laughs> the Witch. Am I? I'm not the only one that saw the. No, witch, I actually right? just watched the Witch. Uh, the Witch uh, about a week ago. I haven't seen it. But I want to. I haven't seen okay. it yet either. So mm-hmm. you and Frank, who's another one of our producers or content producer, um, mm-hmm. you guys explained it. I think you guys kind of hit the nail on the head, which is, it's not scary. I didn't think, but it does a really good job creating atmosphere. 
I thought it was scary, but it depends on the person. Yeah, well, it. I don't feel like it had the elements to actually scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it. I feel like women. I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it did a really good job creating atmosphere. It had a lot of women in it. I guess they just weren't cute enough to scare me. Yeah. Really, <laughs> even the the main chick. She was like thirteen. No, she was about Drew's acceptable age. She's about yeah, sixteen. Well, that's... She was going through, about to go through it, puberty. And they get a lot of props from Wiccans and stuff like that. I thought Drew's yeah. acceptable age scares me, but like, what's your acceptable age? <laughs> wow, it's just that noise. No. Subjective. No, no, she was probably sixteen. What I, I that's too. I feel like the witch stayed really true to itself the entire way through. Usually movies like that, you hit like the 40 minute mark and it takes a huge turn and it's just a completely different film. Right. And you're kind of like, oh, well, fuck it. I kind of have to enjoy it now because they're just throwing Bruce it Willis at me. shows up. Exactly. <laughs> but I feel like it stayed really true to itself. I, they did a really good job creating atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And um, I wouldn't say, it wasn't in terms of a horror film. It's not my favorite, but I, I really liked it. Yeah. It was fun. I love what they did with the music um, mm-hmm. in the beginning with just a black screen. I was already scared like right away. I'm like, oh, no. Any, any film that can have also really good child acting is just awesome. Yes. Because those two twins and the yeah. the black goat. Just yeah, Black Phillip. Yeah, Black Phillip. That was really, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wrote a whole review about it. You know that I really uh, highly regard it. I thought it was a great film. I thought it was a great horror film, too. It was like a psychological horror oh, yeah. in the vein of like Rosemary's Baby and... Um, like The Shining also creates that. Like I can have The Shining on in another room and feel scared, you know. Yeah, witchcraft, supernatural, um, uh, like to me, like realistic crimes, like home invasion, random acts of violence, are the things that like really get under my skin. But like witchcraft shit like that doesn't really. I can't relate to it because like obviously I've never experienced. Yeah. Witchcraft, so it didn't <laughs> actually scare me, you know. Um, Drew's whoa, about to whip whoa. his dick out. Here we go. The podcast. <laughs> I thought he was gonna jerk off it to your face. Right. So, I, that kind of shit. I have. I have. You know. I, I'm. I got a soft spot for when uh, that kind for of me shit. Me jerking off. <laughs> <in that space. laughs> yeah, I have a soft spot. Uh, literally a soft spot. No. Um, that kind of shit. Like Ouija boards. Anything paranormal. Like paranormal activity scared the crap out of me. And yeah. anything with like Satan. <laughs> forget it. I don't like. That's definitely gonna scare me no, every you time. Like tenacious D. What? That's, that scared the crap out of you. Tenacious D? Yeah. yeah Satan is actually there Satan, in full yeah. form playing guitar. Up. That's oh. <laughs> I don't Rocking. remember. Um, so anyway, let's move on to Room. Anyone see Room? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you did? Mm-hmm. That's one that Nick really... Oh, Nick's not here. Yeah. Um, he's too good. Okay, let's move on. Uh, so... <laughs> You're the only one that saw Room? No one else I, saw room? I have not seen. I've room. seen the room. <laughs> <laughs> the room. We can talk about the room. Many you want to talk times. about Oscar-winning room or the room? I thought it was based on the same <laughs> film, like they did with Whiplash. They oh, made no. the room, and then they said, "Hey, you should make that with more budget," and then that's yeah. how they got room. Wow, they did a major rewrite. Yeah, of they the did. Script. It's a lot better. <laughs> Let's just skip it. It's only dummy was now, like a six-year-old boy or yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> which was a good... I think that's what he was going for instead yeah, of a, totally. a veiny alien frog creature. Um, <laughs> All right, what about Mississippi Grind? I think, Mike, had you yes. seen it? Yes. The only other A24s I've seen have been... Uh... Well, let's just wait and see if we get there. Oh, okay, sure. I got them down. Okay. Right, yeah. Mississippi Grind. I have not seen it, though. 
convinced of his newfound friend Ryan Reynolds, is a good luck charm. A gambling addict, Ben Mendelsohn, plays the man on a road trip, or takes the man on a road trip to a high stakes poker game in New Orleans. So you saw it. I love it. And you yeah. love it. I heard great things. I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. I'm gonna... It's great. It's eight twenty four. They enable really, really good performances. Um, and I, I, I don't know if that's just an imperative of, or a result of hiring good directors who hire good actors who therefore get good performances. But if you look at, we'll probably get to this like Locke, mm-hmm. I think is such a phenomenal performance. But um, Mississippi Grind is such, it's a very basic premise and it's a very basic, it's just a road movie. It's just two dudes staying in hotel rooms, getting drunk and gambling. But uh, Ryan Reynolds does such a great job. and uh, Ben Mendelsohn? And Ben Mendelsohn is, is He's good everything. in everything. It's just really, yeah. it's it becomes like heartbreaking mm-hmm. in its banality. Um, I think you would enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on Netflix, I think. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's Amazon. It's on a platform. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching uh, Bloodline lately, and mainly just because of Ben Mendelsohn. I really like his. Mm, I watched for Kyle Chandler. I like how Who's his. That? The main character? Yeah. Oh. I like how I his. I just started it. <laughs> nasal labial lines go outward, like, kind of like <laughs> Defoe. Where they don't oh, con- they don't connect to the corners oh, of yes. his mouth. Is that just maniacal? Yeah, yeah. it's creepy. <laughs> uh, I don't suppose anybody saw Amy the documentary. <laughs> I did not. I think I'll be really depressed. I, I tried to watch a documentary recently. Recently, um, the Jake the Snake documentary, and I couldn't. I, I couldn't get through it because I don't want to like look at him that way. <laughs> I'm just like I was a fan of him in the '80s, and then I also didn't realize like. How much he was just like yanking around this poor snake. I <laughs> just kind of like was. Uh-huh. Let's just leave it back in the '80s and move on. Well, we could talk about Amy, <laughs> the gorilla from Congo. <laughs> nice. I think Congo is actually a pretty funny. Oh, Congo movie. is great. Right. A lot of people didn't get that it was supposed to be satirical. Oh, I didn't. I is just it? thought it was a great fucking film. Bad gorilla. <laughs> bad gorilla. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty it. satirical. Really? Congo. I enjoyed it in not. a non-satirical. Oh. I, I didn't Go enjoy it in Roger, any respect. Go read it was also Ebert's it was review. written by Crichton, right? Uh, was um, it? I thought it was written by Michael. The book Crichton. was. Yeah. yeah that's what I meant. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The book is great, and um, <laughs> yeah. but the movie was retarded. <laughs> yeah, but that's not like if you look right. at it as a satirical piece, maybe you'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I was young now. when I saw it. All right, anyone see Slow West? Just playing mm-hmm. the law for a while, Michael Fassbender. It's oh, it's on my list, um, but I haven't watched it yet. You haven't either. It looks, I mean, it's a, it's a slow-paced western, I guess. <laughs> Only watch movies you take me to. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, most of us saw Ex Machina. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. What? I take some issues with Ex Machina. For, Me too. Really? Yeah. I, I thought I thought it was very well executed. I really enjoyed it. I've seen it twice. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's and I enjoyed that. it both times. But I the the lone genius concept gets really annoying because you can't create. I know it's movie and it's supposed to be fictional, but the lone genius concept has been overplayed. Where this guy was able to create this basically yeah. on his own and I'm, I'm, I'm you know you can take that interpretation obviously there could be more to it he could have had a staff of people and he's just kind of at the peak of what he's created but it just I don't know I feel like that that idea has been overplayed and I feel like the 
the the tech angle is totally misrepresented and because the tech industry is such a, a an emerging and such a large part of everything now mm -hmm. that when I saw it I actually saw it as an outing with my last company which was a tech company <laughs> and it was just a giant joke to everybody because there's actual scenes where they're writing code <laughs> and they actually have people have taken snapshots of the code that they're writing and it's something super ridiculous and dumb and has something completely unrelated because they're just trying to emulate what could happen in that environment and mm -hmm. I'd like overall I mean Ex Machina is great but that level of artificial intelligence is not something that i think we know just especially with things like amazon and google are doing mm -hmm. that level of ai cannot be accomplished by the ceo of a huge right search engine company by himself that's and interesting just, you know it's it, it just it it that i mean i know it's stupid because you shouldn't watch a movie with that idea you should just believe the world that you're thrown yeah. into and enjoy it for what it is mm -hmm. i love the concept of it being a what is it called a, a the, the test, what's the name of the test called? Where you're supposed to talk to a computer. Mm -hmm. The Turing test. The Turing test. The concept of that being like what the movie is mm -hmm. sort of yeah. revolved around is amazing, but yeah. kind of beyond that, you kind of get into the details of it, it, right. it kind of got under my skin. A little you know bit. what's interesting about that is if you look at something like like Iron Man or like, um, what's the Will Smith Asimov movie? iRobot. iRobot. Uh, like that's completely implausible. But you just kind of let it go. Exactly. But, or like AI. Or like AI, yeah. right. It's like, yeah, whatever. It's yeah, impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, but this movie is is presented in such a realistic, in yes. modern day. honest yes. way. Yeah. And all the performances are so genuine and everything is mm -hmm. so plausible that when you kind of get to that point, it's almost like uncanny valley. It's almost like the actual Turing test where you go, mm, that, <laughs> that could that's be a, really a real good point. thing. Yeah, so. I think that's what it is too, is it's so grounded that you're like, wait a minute, yeah. this guy did not yeah. recreate consciousness in this like super proprietary way that and then, and he then he's locked off on an her. island that like only very few know about and the government's not even tapped into it. It's just like, come on. And then he just makes like basically sex slaves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the other thing is that she did not have orifices. So why? <laughs> uh, I thought she did. I don't know if she did or not. I, I thought he talked I didn't get about to that inspect her. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought I thought he was kind of teasing um, what's the main character's name or actor's name? I thought he was. Don Hawley. She was. He almost teased him, alluding towards the fact that he built them to be anatomically sound. It he seems, does talk about yeah. that yeah. briefly. It seems yeah. like a cleanup nightmare. <laughs> I, it would just get removable I, fleshlights. I just keep taking them out, putting them back in. I don't know. You got a lot of electronics in there. Yeah. So, I didn't have. Have you ever came onto electronics? Uh, not lately. I I once so, tried to put my penis on a VCR when I was young. <laughs> when I was young, oh, and like beta or VHS. I don't, uh, I don't remember. I, I, well, it didn't fit. When he was a so, kid. Well, yeah, if you I, have a certain profile, then you're sick. Is it? <laughs> uh, well, the, I, I probably liked the VHS because it was younger. Yeah, I got one of the first times I got drunk on vanilla extract. Uh, actually, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you mix enough of it with, with well, this code. is a real story. <laughs> this is a real story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah and apparently, I thought it would be fun to try to put my my semi erect penis into a a, a VHS player. Huh. Uh, so I've always been into movies. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't hey a setup now. for that. That was not. A, it's a real story. Hey but hmm. uh, all right. I, I don't, I'm not very, I, I don't, I'm not a techie. I don't know a lot about, you know, what happens. And so that didn't bother me. The dis disbelievability came into 
um, the pacing. I didn't believe that this guy would fall in love with her that quickly. For me, I was just like, what? You... It seemed like it should have taken, like, they should have showed more time yeah, of him I getting think, to that point. Yeah, only to play devil's advocate is I think that it's easy to take for granted other people's perspective when it comes to loneliness mm-hmm. and just the slight sure but pretend. compare that to what happened in like her was a gradual development and that was more of a story about yeah. that but that was totally believable and it was only a voice yeah i mean yeah i also this guy had probably a much more appreciation for the technology that went into it which sort of kind of exemplified but his you didn't and it was built for him. Yeah. It was built on, right, Mike? It was... Yeah. Uh, on his profile? Yeah, his porn searches profile, according to uh, Isaac's character, was the reason why, you know, her face features and all that stuff. But no hair. <laughs> but yeah. balls. So, Mike, what would your uh, robot look like? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be very careful about this conversation. Oh, no, go ahead. Definitely low um, angles. Yeah, Just stop recording for yeah, a let's, second. Let's, let, I don't want to go back into the whole Michael Bay thing. Um, if we were to build you a robot based on your point yeah. of viewing habits, I want to answer what, this what question too. Like? Let's all answer this question. Okay, okay Mike, go ahead. <laughs> this is good radio. Um, no. No. I don't want to talk no. about okay, what Why he, not? What would he look like then? Because his oh. robot at home will get jealous. Uh, well, I want to talk about a, I want to talk about the ex machina and the suspension of disbelief. Which, but we don't. We're, we yeah. want to talk Listen, about your purpose. Answer your question. We're here, right. buddy. We're here. Doesn't Jump on the surfboard, yeah. kid. You, should we all answer the question first and come back to you, Mike? No, 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 no. I just... Um, as far as that, I have no comment on, on a sex bot <laughs> as far as that's concerned. But You can't describe your perfect woman and then say, make her into a robot? No. No. That's where my suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. falls off. I mean, mm-hmm. Matt, Matt comes at it from an angle of understanding programming and in. technology. <laughs> yeah. Great. Wow. For me, it's the fact that you're dealing with something that is based completely around logic, nothing but logic, mm-hmm. which is why when she inevitably leaves the compound and just leaves um, mm-hmm. for the other... It's Caleb and Nathan. Caleb, it's Oscar yeah. Isaacs plays Nathan. Yeah. And Donald um, Gleason is Caleb. When, they, when she leaves him just locked in the room, it's logical because she's trying to expand beyond where she's been held captive no like all of her romantic feelings towards him were programming this is the most elaborate dodge <laughs> of all time if you could if you could take a celebrity and bore a hole in her head and pour bleach in there, Jeffrey Dahmer oh. style, and make her a zombie. Yeah, like, that's which, the which best. Which one would you get, would you take? Yeah, Jeez. Jessica Biel. I know you like Jessica Biel. Um, she deserves it too. Yeah. Does anyone know what Tie stands Mike for in like Tie Fighter? <laughs> no. Ion engine. Thank you, because I learned that from you actually. So, all right. What's happening? That's it. I, I just, I just. You just change the subject. Yeah, yes, wow. I did. All right, John. John, you didn't see it Ex Machina, right? It almost sounded like it could have been yes, relevant. Yes, I did. I saw Ex Machina. You saw Ex Machina. So, if you could have any 
uh, female robot. Carrie Heffernan. Carrie Heffernan. From the King of And when she's a little bit chubby. Good call. The chubby years. Good call. The chubby years, yes. Not the actress, the character. Right, not the Scientologist. Oh, okay, that's why I didn't. No, I was like, the, the character. Yeah. So yeah. you'd have the character. Leah Remini. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually read her uh, awesome. book about Red Scientology. It was really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, really funny stories about Tom Cruise in there um, where he yells at his assistant. And uh, yeah, it was it was worth the Amazon Kindle what feed. Did you, <laughs> you watched Going Clear then, right? Yeah. Okay. What's that? Yeah, Going Clear is fucking scary. Yeah. Dude. It, yeah. it should be an A24 film. <laughs> Segway. Oh, mine would be um, exactly who uh, from AI. I think it's Gigolo Joe. Just that. Exactly Just that. that. Yeah. Perfect. All day long. What's his? What was that? It's Jude Law. Jude Law. Yeah, and it was badass how he could just like turn his head and his hair color would change, or his eyes. Oh, would just change. picking. Okay, Amber Heard then. Oh, thank you. I got another yeah. one. Amber Heard. Okay. She's single now. There you go. Yeah, uh, that's there is a chance. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He so we have confirmation that Mike Clark wants to take Oops. Amber Heard and turn her into a zombie brainless fuck robot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah. romantic. Yeah. It's like a Hallmark card. Get him. All right, Matt. Who's your sex robot? <laughs> Let's see. She'd be like five, six, brown eyes. She'd be a speech therapist. God. Um, Are you describing your wife? No, he's yeah. describing that's next creepy. wife. <laughs> oh. um, She's careful. And Pretty big uh, distinction between. would be Rosario Dawson. Rosario or Dawson okay. in Rent, specifically. Oh, nice. Not trans? No, in Rent. Okay. Not Daredevil? <laughs> no, she's a fucking heroin addict. <laughs> oh, I didn't, in Daredevil she is? In Rent. Oh, oh okay, gotcha. She's 19. Oh, okay. But, she, but she's old for her age. Daredevil is... What? No. She looks pretty much the same, I think. She's no, too, I would say Rosario Dawson and Alexander. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not Clerks too. All right, a most violent year. Yes. So that also has Oscar Isaac. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, who wants to talk about it? I, will I think Mike it. does. I, think I will say that what Drew was mentioning earlier about the, uh, the taking HR? a risk. No, oh. it's about taking a risk <laughs> and providing content that is. Outside the generic, yes. a uh, a most violent year is what I would call a moral thriller. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of action. The plot line, everything about it's fairly slow. You know, it's about a man competing with his decisions whether to take the easy route, which is illegal, or take the hard route, which is legal, you know, and... That whole balance between, uh, you know, the easy way and the hard way, it's a very basic, very simple, you know, idea. And it's not something that draws a lot of attention. And so to make that into something that came out so exquisite, like uh, Most Violent Year, that's a risk, Mm -hmm. you know, to put something out there that the audiences will yawn at potentially. Yeah. I mean, A24 took that risk and presented it, and it's an incredible film to watch. And while it doesn't have you on the edge of your seat and you're not, you know, like constantly being bombarded with all these different scenes of action and stuff like that, it's still just 
an absolutely awesome piece of filmmaking that I can't get enough of. When, when I was a kid, uh, back in the 80s, <laughs> films that you're describing, that just sounds like European films. You know, the Europeans <laughs> would take chances True. like that. And American cinema, just no way. That's no interesting, because it is like we've come around to that, yeah. of where Europe was already... Uh, way 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember as a kid, you'd be watching a European film and they would hold on somebody sitting on a sidewalk for three or four minutes. Mm -hmm. God forbid you do that in an American film. There's just no way it would happen. Yeah, right. But Europeans just let you vacillate. And that kind of theme, talking yeah. of, you know, yeah. speaking of just morals. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Moral thriller <laughs> wouldn't be something you would normally see. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's some from the 70s that, you know, maybe like early um, kind of crime drama stuff. Are a little bit more slow paced back then, but it's true. Like modern times, um, 80s and up, we don't really. A lot of people don't have patience for that. So, um, I didn't see a 20 or I'm sorry, uh, a Silent Year. Um, it's worth watching. I suck. It's totally worth watching. Now this film is kind of it's like totally the opposite of <laughs> of what you just described. Tusk. Mm. Kevin Smith, uh, weird horror film with Justin Long, Michael Parks, and um, throwing a little Johnny Depp and Haley Joe Osment. <laughs> and uh, you get this ridiculous kind of horror comedy um, in the vein of like a human centipede type feel. Was mm. not, I liked parts of it. Not really a feel, though. But it was not... <laughs> yeah. It was not my thing. Um, like I uh, just thought it went overboard. Yeah, I, I don't like to see <laughs> like humans like like mutilated into animals. <laughs> just, well, I, I, so it's not I, my thing. I watched it two nights ago. Mm -hmm. um, not coincident. Like, oh, sorry, coincidentally, I watched it two nights ago. I didn't actually realize it was an A twenty four film at the time. It. Um. I. I mean, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. I kind of. Are I, you? Yeah. Like Why? I. I don't know. I kind of grew up right towards the end of you know his his big Jay and Silent Bob chronicles. Like Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back came out right at like an age appropriate time for me. So okay. um, I, don't know, I think he's I, I think his films are fun. I think he's a a, a good filmmaker. Um, outside of the Jay and Silent Bob chronicles, it's not like you know it's kind of a hit or miss. But right. it was weird because it the first half of the movie was awesome. I loved Justin Long. Michael Parks was, I mean, I've only seen, I only know of Michael Parks in Kill Bill and in this, and in mm -hmm. this film, like, now I just want to go back and watch everything he's done because yeah, of Tusk. Him. Exactly. But it did kind of slowly become a joke upon itself, and I couldn't tell if that was intentional. Right. Johnny's Depp cameo as a over-the-top French dude, French-Canadian, right. or whatever, it was just... I don't know. I couldn't tell if I was supposed to be laughing or impressed that they were able to get Johnny Depp in the movie. Yeah. And then the well, practical effects of the walrus <laughs> suit, again, like, just kind of bad. Yeah, kind but of bad. But I couldn't tell. And then, like, it, it, it just it, it got so exaggerated that I couldn't tell right. if it was supposed to be a joke on itself. And we were, like, Kevin Smith, all the intentions were there, intent, like, for real, or yeah. if like it just, just kind of right. slowly fell apart. It just know? starts getting a bit too wacky. Yeah. Um, although you know Michael Parks throughout the entire film, I really enjoyed yes. him. He was really uh, when good he played in that. kind of like a goofy hillbilly. I was laughing so oh. hard. That was the best part. Jess was in disbelief, or my wife was in disbelief <laughs> that that was the same actor mm -hmm. when that scene. Yeah, was. he's amazing. Yeah. So, 
Um, I loved him in it. Justin Long was fine. Um, I love Haley Joel Osment in it. I thought he he's was really good. He's got that natural. He's just he's so yeah. He's he's good. Yes. He just I wish he did more. He played a great Mike, and <laughs> I wish he did more too. I, I would really like to see him in like a lot more films. I don't know why people don't throw him in their yeah. movies more. I don't think he wants he's, to. I, I think he. I think he chooses. You don't think that. he wants to? No, he's still he acting. Would. He's out there, yeah, but I don't like think people are casting him. Like I don't know. Didn't he play like a? Didn't he play like Hitler or something recently? Or he played a Nazi in something? Um, I don't. Tusk. I kind of lost track of what's going on now. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's just really natural and and really um, believable. Like in warm and like his laugh and everything. Yeah, I know. Just... He was he was good. In it. Yeah, so he. I, I like th- across the board talent was good. Sure, it was fine, um, but as a as like a horror film, I didn't like it, and um, really like too absurd and too trying to be shocking, uh, and I I really like I just felt like bad and sorry for the character instead of yeah. whatever I was was that what I was supposed to feel because I don't really want to feel that <laughs> I just don't want to feel that. It seemed like Kevin Smith, and I'm not a huge Kevin Smith fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess it's just sense of humor or whatever it is different but it just seemed like he was so enamored with he was getting away with this kind of like a kid who who is you know using the F word for the first <laughs> time and he just like loves the fact that he he's gonna and it, it, it kind of became like you said this Ouroboros of of it eating itself you know mm-hmm. and Tarantino suffers from that a little bit sometimes too where he's so fucking clever and he just gets wrapped up in his own cleverness and it just becomes this like meta like am I supposed to find this funny do you know this are you trying to be funny and Tusk was a mess as far as (laughs) where what genre wise yeah I agree um I'm gonna Okay, uh, let's look at a couple more A24 films. Um, we, you mentioned this earlier, Locke, which was, um, it's just Tom Hardy in a car, an entire film. And he's telling this entire story of um, him, you know, cheating on his wife, making a woman pregnant, and having to deal with it. And also, he loses his job. Um, so it's all this crazy shit is happening in his life in a hour and a half film where he's just driving. And it, believe it or not, is it's just riveting you know you're you're caught up in in the performance and the story the entire time there's other voices that come through over the use of the phone um the conversations he has are varied you know with his son and then with his estranged wife or soon to be estranged wife with a mistress with um various people who he works with that kid's got talent (laughs) he's a kid yeah. yeah, Tom Hardy can pull off anything, including his pants in front of me, well, <laughs> if he wanted okay. to. Ah! So, <laughs> that's, uh, that's out there, Mr. Hardy, yep. if you are listening to this podcast. I think podcast. he likes dudes, but you're anyway. Yeah, you can also pull his pants off in front of me. You're, <laughs> you're actually blushing. That's so funny. I'm hot. It? It's like literally warm in here. <laughs> so, um, John, did you see Locke? or no. but? Let's talk about Tom Hardy, though. Uh, I'm a big fan of his, man. Ever since Max, uh, I really like. Ever since Mad Max. Yeah, I, I didn't like him <laughs> way last back year. Yeah, way, way no, back in the day. Ever since 2015, I've been a one. big no, fan. Gibson one. I, I did a fan. I didn't <laughs> like a lot of the stuff he did because I didn't what? quite what? get him. You ever see Bronson? And that, or no, anything I, did, I didn't see Bronson, but I saw the one right after Max. I saw the one he did about the twin brothers. 
Oh, oh craze? Oh, the fighter? Yeah. No, the, the warrior. The craze. Craze. Called? Yeah. Oh. You didn't see warrior? Yeah. Yeah, I saw Dude, warrior. He's fucking great. In I that just, film. you know, I just didn't appreciate him in that. What? Yeah, I just didn't. Were you? Cl- did you have your eyes closed? <laughs> and were you putting your fingers in your ears? <laughs> He was amazing in that movie. It was just a little too telegraph for me, no pun intended. Uh, Because coming from the fighting world and all that other stuff, there was just stuff that was missing that I felt. uh, Again, uh, but as an actor, I mean, he's awesome. Yeah. Did you see Locke, Matt? I haven't seen Locke yet. I've heard enough about it. I have not. So just uh, Drew and I. Yeah, I I actually went and saw it in the theater, too, and I really did enjoy it. What's Um, that? There's a a word for that type of film, like phone booth. Nick would know. Nick yeah, knows these terms. Like, I can really like when those are done well. It's just it's so cool. Yeah. There's a, there's a term for it though. Um, there's only a, a collection of films that have actually done it really well. Yeah. Too. It's which shot is, in real time too, yeah. which is oh, really wow. cool. Which I love yeah. the idea of, and it's very seldomly like done well. And also we're, you're you're talking about Legend, which is the brothers Cray. Oh, is that what Which the... I yeah. fucking love that movie. Yeah, I didn't see uh, it yet. I saw A lot of people didn't one. like it, and I can see why. I liked it. But I fucking loved it. The craze, um, I was thinking the old one from yeah, the 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what's interesting about Locke is I don't love it as much as I love the components of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm in love with the idea that it's shot real time. I'm in love with his performance. I love Tom Hardy and everything. But overall, it's just like, uh, okay, I wouldn't watch it again. It's, no. To me, it's like uh, the film equivalent of Radiohead, where it's like <laughs> really talented, That's a good way to really it. well written, really well constructed, produced. Everything is great about it. I just like mm, okay, yeah. You know, I, I, I appreciate it. I think more as as an actor, and this sounds really pretentious, but as an actor and a writer and a filmmaker than I do as an audience member. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, okay. I think that's a really common perspective for us yeah. to have, though. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's we're split. Phew, between thanks. I, I got <laughs> I got Matt's okay on that. On my opinion. Ooh. So, how would you feel about Hardy playing Wolverine? About Hardy playing Wolverine? Oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love yeah, that. That would be awesome. I mean, I can't imagine writing a piece like that. Chamber, is that what it is? Chamber piece. That's oh, like this style of film. What is it? That's, That's ex machina, yeah, three people. Yeah. Um, writing a pe- writing a piece like that where it's just one person it seems extremely difficult to yeah. be able to fill that many pages. So I don't even you know know how what other kind of story you could tell other than just something that simple. I would Ryan watch Ryan, it again. Ryan but I'd, a film like that too. So yeah, I'd want to watch it with yeah. someone. You know, I wouldn't watch it again on my own. I wonder how much of that was improvised too. Because I would say none. I don't know. Really? All right. The last A twenty four film is Under the Skin. Oof. Mike. You want to talk about it? Uh, I have yet to see it, but it's in my, oh, it's in my For queue. some reason, I thought Mike would be all over this. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you saw certain parts of it. I, I, I saw I saw some parts of it. Just the parts nice. with Scarlett yes. Johansson. Yeah. Did anybody see it? I've seen certain parts of it, too. I've seen certain parts of her, too. I mean certain parts of the full birthday suit. Yeah. Are, nobody saw I. Absolutely, I'll talk. I know Nick has seen it. Yeah, we should we should call Nick. Nick isn't yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, let's call Nick. I've seen it several times. Call you have, and I adore it. You're lying. No, <laughs> no, I I really really oh, like. We'll talk about skin. it. Nick has a lot to say. So yeah, we'll, we'll call him. Yeah, call him, and we'll, we'll, I'll talk while we're doing it. Um, another enabling of a fantastic performance, um, especially in someone who is cold and emotionless, mm-hmm. which is 
actually surprisingly hard to pull off well, I think, uh, by Scarlett Johansson. Um, ancillary characters, they, they shot it in, in a way that was half uh, improvised and half on the street, so the guys she picks up like don't know they're on camera until into it a little bit, and then I, I would guess they sign a release and, and whatever, and um, so it's got this, hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. We're talking about a film called Under the Skin. We wanted you to weigh in on it real quick. <laughs> Talk about Under the Skin. Oh, it's uh, really awesome. And is the best movie of that year. Is that right? And that's all I got. Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm, like, running around right now. <laughs> I can't play podcast games, but Under the Skin really is the best movie of that year. Um like a Hampton movie and it's the best Jonathan Glazer movie. Yeah. Okay. And it does something really, really unique with the Sunny Fanation movie. Okay, that's my two cents. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Okay. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, Nick. Bye. Hey, Nick, who would your sex... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he thought it was the best movie of that year. Yeah. And, okay. And it's like in Scotland? That. Uh... Scotland and or I don't know the difference between Scotland and England or Europe because <laughs> I'm, I'm American so I think it is on Netflix right uh, probably maybe not I think it's on Amazon but, but watch it I think it's, it is on Netflix thematically it's so good and it's it's such a complex cool metaphor about attraction and sex and okay but Scarlett Johansson is, is naked Scarlett Johansson is, is absolutely Sorry, naked and she it, what about yeah. Does it have really? What about cinematography in it? Well, for for me to to really notice how well something's shot takes a lot because <laughs> I have no fucking idea. <laughs> and in that movie, I was blown away oh, yeah. by so much of it. Um, so r- really, really well done film. And uh, if you haven't watched Under Skin, watch it. And Scarlett Johansson uh, and all her um, regular girl hot body. Is is uh, completely naked. Regular girl. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why everybody likes Scarlett Johansson. Why is that? And, and the same as. Um, what is that? Busty. What does that mean? And the same with uh, what's the little girl from um, from. Uh, okay, this is going in the bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I mean, little girl like twenty-two. Um, from there's nothing the wrong singing with movies. From the. Uh, oh, Glee, Michelle. Something? No, 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 no. <laughs> We don't know. Um, Nobody watches singing movies here. Yeah. Anyway, um, she says now. No, kind of like that. But no, the reason Scarlett Johansson, everybody thinks she's so hot, is she's not Hollywood hot. Yeah. She's like she is. She's not unobtainium. Right, yeah, she's right, right. definitely unobtainium to all of you guys. Have you seen her face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she's, she's gorgeous, but she looks. That's pretty Hollywood hot, right there. Like you can't a get real. Much person not like yeah. meaning her body because that's right. not normal either most women do not have a black widow's body with the boom 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 at all yeah but that's fabricated that's all tucked in and but when you see her without stuff i haven't you, okay you can see i haven't seen like her, her totally naked right you, you could conceivably see her <laughs> walking down in tucson the street. you can't not, yeah. no no but you would go oh that's that's the hottest girl i've seen she's in actually hung out in tucson and she likes tucson yeah. i don't care so, yeah. so when you're saying regular girl body, you mean a woman who has like a little bit of extra weight? Yeah, right. A woman and who... not not everything's like. <laughs> <laughs> a 
imagine, <laughs> and that and that is just ma- making weird hand noise, uh, hand yeah. gestures. Yeah. What else do you do? With a woman? Yeah. I have no idea. I, I have not seen her naked, so I don't know. I mean, I, to me, she's not anywhere near average. She looks fantastic. I open up Safari. <laughs> I just think that's weird if you are thinking that that's an everyday woman. No, com- average. Oh, comparatively <laughs> speaking to the Hollywood demigoddesses, Scarlett Johansson is the girl next door. Yeah, she's the, you know, apex girl next door. But... <laughs> You know, that's why people like her, because you have this feeling of, wow, I could possibly date somebody near that caliber to get to <laughs> That's hilarious that you guys think that. So, <laughs> well, that yeah. wraps up A24. dollar films are built on it, so. <laughs> oh, okay, we're now looking at a, a actual photo of Char- Scarlett Johansson naked. And I was not expecting this at all. Right? Yeah. You know, okay. what, you know what I mean, though? And oh. John loves it. Yeah, she's... So, fantastic. yeah, I feel a little bit better about myself right now looking at Scarlett Johansson. Naked. I'd like to just add that. in something about A24. She, if Impressive, she did some sir. yoga and stuff, she Here would be like the top knot. Whoa. Weird. Her boobs don't look as big right there either. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Mike wants to say something else about A24. Oh, just, I'm just curious. Um, so, when discussing with Nick... He said that... Anna Kendrick. That's who I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Who's that? Uh, whatever. Wait, who... Are you saying she kind of me. breaks the mold a little bit, too? She, she's like the, uh, the, uh, the, hot, the hottest version of a normal person. That's why she's so popular. That makes yeah. more sense to me than so. Scarlett Johansson, hmm. who's got like an angel face. Yeah. So anyway, Mike... Oh, Speaking of angel face, Mike, continue. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, so I was discussing with Nick, and his ideal, his future for the uh, for Crown Chimp is to be like A24. That's what he's told me on a number of occasions, that uh-huh. their release company is it, the business model, the, business, the, the, the production type that he wants to be in. And so I was just curious if everyone had something the what is the best thing about a24 that they enjoy like what's the absolute best part of a24 and i just want to mm-hmm. go around the table and hear what people have to say go ahead close um go ahead and start drew what do you think i think the obvious freedom that they give to their filmmakers mm-hmm. that's a good yeah what about you you know i don't really know much about like their origin or... I just told you in Wikipedia. Oh, I was listening to that <laughs> shit. But, I mean, having their actual lineup in front of me, it is pretty insane how diverse their their collection is. Because, like, it's easy to say, oh, they take risks, but they also did The Spectacular Now. Like, that's not, like, that wasn't a risk. Sure. So, and I mean, I'm only looking at, I don't know if this is their entire lineup, but, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like I really have a whole lot of value to add to that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I Looking at their collection, though, there's a lot of really good movies in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like their principles and how they go about things and their process for selecting creative and things like that, like I feel like I need a lot more insight into that. It seems like they really know their shit, though. Yeah. And they, they trust. They, they obviously have a handful of producers that they really trust in order to bring in this content or else they wouldn't, they wouldn't have this sort of repertoire. That's true, and I, I don't know enough about, uh, don't start, I don't know enough about their business model to be able to speak to how they're able to even do this, like, 
um, you know, financially. It's like who, who's doing this to where they're pushing some of these films that they select and putting them out into big theaters? I don't know how they get these theatrical releases. Because think of the budgets. And, think of the budgets on these films. Yeah. You know, what's the highest budget? Probably Tusk. Yeah. But everything else... I don't know. Everything else is... Uh, maybe there will be blood. That's that's not A24. Or, I'm sorry, um, whatever the other movie. The Witch? No. Swiss Army Man? No. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a budget thing, but, I mean, what I do like about looking at this handful of films, I mean, they have, you know, they have an Oscar winner here, and then they have, like, a weird low-budget horror. They like their diversity. What they all kind of have in common is that they are... They're... They're, um, they, they're all still made to be something quality to show to audiences, you know, and it's, I don't know if that they're actually taking any risks, like, I have no idea what the box office amounts ended up with all these films, but, um, I mean, it's a great model to, to say, yeah, we do films that are, you know, might have just been independent, came and went, you know, never, no one ever saw them films, but they got all this exposure, so I think that's really cool. And I think, I hope things continue to go along this way um, with more production companies opening like this. So, what do you think A24's highest grossing film is? Oh, their highest grossing film? Oh. It's Ex Machina. Good job, Mike. Is that, okay. Yeah, they're making, they're making 25 million off of Ex Machina, The Witch. Room. Yeah, I know the the witch was one of the highest grossing. Do you have the budget for Ex Machina? They did Spring Breakers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Which are they're f- showing million. Spring Breakers as million? a cult classic. That's a, a lot. small budget for that's, that. That's so. a good return, and yeah. the visual effects on that, like in the upcoming Ghost in the Shell, regardless of the whitewashing, <laughs> uh, it's because of those. It's, yeah, I know. We'll get it's to because that. it's because of those visual effects in Ex Machina that I think I'm. Um, as far as a visual side for Ghost in the Shell, I'm looking forward to it because that whole man-machine interface. Uh, my opinion of A24, by the way, is that it's it's similar to the business model for Crown Shell, where you work on something solid with an established um, plan, very good chances of returns that equal or greater than the amount put in and then you take the extra returns that you get from that and you go and do something off the beaten track Mm -hmm. and that's what I've seen as far as my limited releases that I've seen with A24 is they will make something that they know will draw an audience and become a financial success and then they'll go and take the extra returns from that financial success and make something like Swiss Army Man, mm-hmm. where it's like, what the hell? This guy is dead, but he's a Swiss Army knife sort <laughs> of thing. And so I honestly think that that's such a great idea, you know, and that's why the chimps stand out to me as far as people who I love working with is the fact that we make stuff that absolutely turns a respectable profit and then you take the proceeds from that and you make something for fun for the sake of filmmaking for the sake of breaking the mold and so right. that's my that's my <laughs> that's my plug to make the uh, the chimps all blush so Nick yes. if you're listening to this that was for you guys we all blush we're also distracted reading about more about A24 yes. here. 
I appreciate the fact that it's expanding the palette and moviegoers, and that's something that we're always complaining about because Hollywood keeps putting out tripe, you know, it's just like, this is horrible stuff. And then we see stuff like this, it's avant-garde, you know, it's like looking back at the Black Panthers when they first came out, people were like, oh my God, this militant group, yada, yada, yada. But if it wasn't for the Panthers, nobody would listen to Martin Luther King. Uh, so I think it takes those extremes in our society, so at some point it'll trickle down and eventually merge into something. Like we used to laugh at recycling and the hippies and all that other stuff, and now it's a part of everyone's life. It's systemic now. The hippies are what they call hipsters in the 60s. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Did you I, say something about Martin Luther King? I just zoned out right then. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Speaking uh, of expanding the palette. So, uh, MLK. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool. 824, y'all. Um, let's move on to the next thing. But I want to do... One hour. A quick promo. Hey. For John. Uh, why don't you tell us yeah. about one of your projects called one Tribal of, Force. Oh, Tribal Force. Yeah. Tribal Force is the first all-native superhero comic book in the history of the United States. Uh, I came out with it back in 1996 with a buddy of mine named Ryan Huna-Smith. And uh, we didn't we didn't quite know what we were doing. We force gumped onto it, you know. Uh, uh, didn't re realize until the Smithsonian con uh, contacted us and told us, "Hey, did you realize this is the first ever?" And we were like, "Holy cow! No, we didn't." <laughs> and then the enormity sunk in. But uh, unfortunately, it's been a struggle ever since then. We got one issue published nationally, and since then, I've produced one or two of my own. And I'm currently speaking to a publisher right now, so hopefully by November, we uh -huh. might get some really good news. Cool. You don't have like a website or anything out there right uh, now? Just Facebook. You? you can look up Tribal Force. Cool. Uh, America's first all-native American real comic book. Nice. And <laughs> do you, are you the artist and writer? or? Uh, I was the artist and, and writer for a little bit, but I'm just not good enough at the art, uh, so I'm just going to mm -hmm. stick to what I'm really good at. Or what I think I'm good at is writing, <laughs> uh -huh. and uh, hopefully hire a professional artist that's faster than I am, better. Cool. So, yeah, so maybe someone will contact you. Um, yeah, and they're all native. <laughs> None of them will be whitewashed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. <laughs> whitewashing. Who, who is the arch villain in that? Diabetes? Huh? No, <laughs> just, just go look in the mirror, my friend. You know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well played. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll get to that topic in a little bit, but our next topic, are you going to consider this, like, what's that? Ten minutes. So what? What Until happens? Until I'm shutting the show down. That's it? We only got ten minutes? Yeah, it's already been an hour. We, I, hmm? I got shit to do. <laughs> All right, let's save this topic, because this is a really big topic. Okay. For another podcast. Um, so on the next episode of Chimp Chat and Chill... <laughs> We're gonna talk about. We're gonna spend. Ew. We're gonna spend one hour talking about all of Mike's sexual experiences. Yes. Yeah. Right. Now we'll, we'll talk about uh, OTT, Netflix, Amazon, AMC, all kinds of different uh, series, uh, programming, and all kinds of cool shit like that. Because man, it's just way better than it ever has been um, in the history of things. So let's take 10 minutes then to talk more about the white devil. Um, and <laughs> we did talk about whitewashing the, one of our, one of our uh, podcasts um, a little bit in depth, but 
now we have a real live Native American here with a mohawk and everything. So <laughs> we can get a little bit more into it now. Um, I think we, we just barely kind of brushed over the topic because at that time, uh, I think Doctor Strange, the trailers were just coming out. And so people were in an uproar about Tilda Swinton um, playing the ancient one. And uh, yeah, so and then we also discussed uh, what is a ghost in the shell? Um, and, you know, there's just a lot of that constantly that's been going on since the 70s. It continues to go on since before then, really. I mean, there's just not enough ethnic actors out there that are getting recognized and being cast as just regular, everyday people. You, you rarely see anyone who's not white um, cast as a leading male in, in anything that's major. Um, Rock. The Rock, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's transcended. I right. Think. It, it's interesting. I, I, we were at the Nalip um, Media Summit not long ago, and um, which is National Association for Latino Independent Producers. And this was a big topic out there, just diversity in film. Um, but it was interesting. I remember one of the panels I attended, they were talking about how Vin Diesel is this like sort of big like uh, figure in Latin culture, but he's also not yeah. <laughs> like... Is it Puerto Rican? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I don't... Does anyone know what Vin Diesel he's, actually he's is? He's black and some other stuff. Yeah, I think he's black and Puerto Rican, possibly. And, and that's kind of like the... I feel like if, if someone's kind of nondescript, then and people will accept them as just being generically okay across yeah. the board. But even The Rock anglicized his nose. He got a nose hmm. job, so really? he looked more not. Weird. Was. Yeah. Which is what? Samoan? It's Polynesian. Yeah. It's Polynesian. Um, so Mike is going to leave because he's scared to talk about things. <laughs> he's the whitest guy in this room. But no, I would like to get your perspective, though, John, about this topic. Um, it we had kind of come to a conclusion, yes, it's not right, ethnic, ethnically and ethically, it is not, is not right, <laughs> a moral thing. Um, however, it's a business thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, you're in a moral quandary there, and I get it. I get it from a filmmaking standpoint where you want to make a movie and bring as many customers into the theater to pay for getting that movie made. And if Johnny Depp or The Rock or someone's going to bring that revenue in, of course you want to hire them, you know. But then there's that other thing, you know. What are you presenting to the public? You're making something for public consumption, and as as a movie goer, whatever that story is, if it's if it takes place in Tibet, I would like to see the actual people of Tibet playing those characters because it helps me immerse myself in that story. Right. And, you know, it's it's the subliminal message, especially to Native Americans that we get all the time, that you don't possess the talent to play yourself. Mm -hmm. And, well, why is that? Because you're not being cast. Well, who's not casting us, you know? So it's that catch-22. Give us the opportunity and we'll rise to that occasion. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I notice some people, they don't care or you're making a big deal about it. It's just acting, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Superman is an alien from another planet. That guy's not Kryptonian. Mm -hmm. uh, but they always tend to bunch us up in that with caricatures. This, mm -hmm. you know, Native Americans, we're still here. 753 different tribes across the United States of America. We haven't gone anywhere. But Hollywood tends to treat us as if we were not really there and they need uh, just dark people to play us. Mm -hmm. You so. touched on something really interesting there because our discussion was about why are there not more leads that are people of color, but but I think uh, as I'm understanding it, a part of yours is why are, are people of color not 
playing the people they are. Yeah, now what, why would we not use Native Americans for Native Americans or, or whatever whatever the case may be? And that's that's uh, stupid. That has nothing to do with box office draw. That's just why are we not doing that? Why why would we not take these people that are what they are? If you know, if you need an amputee, you cast an amputee. You know, mm-hmm. you don't fake somebody with a, with a limb off of them unless you you're Lieutenant Dan. But <laughs> and a secondary uh, part of, of whitewashing. Now, I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm not I'm not a huge fan of, of white people in general. Um, <laughs> just because who cares? But um, uh, we we have enough 35 year old white dudes as the star of action movies. Like, who cares? It's so it's profoundly more interesting to me to have have a, a, a black woman or a you know Eskimo whatever to, because why wouldn't you we know a white guy's perspective on things like we, we it's mainstream it's the mainstream so why not make something more interesting and compounding on that why does it have to be about the fact that they are what they are whenever it happens mm-hmm. like yeah. if Black Panther is is a good example of him just being a character who happens to be black. And I think we're making a nice transition into that. Peter Dinklage is a beautiful example of a great character, well-written. He's also a, 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 you know, a, dwarf. a dwarf. and But it's his entire summation as a person is not that he's a dwarf. Yeah. It is just another thing. We're doing the same thing with with homosexuality, which is great. Like you get these rounded, fleshed out characters who happen to be gay or happen to be, you know, of a different ethnicity or whatever the case may be. So we need to put people of color or people of non-traditional in these roles that are good roles. Right. That's all. I think also <clears throat> it to look at it as if we shouldn't have, you know, racial diversity anymore. Like, we shouldn't have that. I think it, we're still kind of at the origin of that. Like, yeah. just like film as an art medium, this conflict that we have is still at its infantile stage. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of ignorant for us to think, like, well, those issues are decades old. Why do they still exist? Like, no, it might take another hundred years for us to realize, or more than that. So, and I think art, or as an art form film being so young mm-hmm. and us still trying to figure out as a population the this diversity issues that we're having. I right. think maybe it's just because they kind of happen to run in parallel a little bit right now, mm-hmm. but I think it's, I don't, we haven't solved it, the actual problem versus how it affects our, the, the, the symptom, not the, yeah, yeah exactly. and it's, it's the archetypes that, I mean, like when you're casting a film as producers and writers and directors, and as you're writing your screenplay, you're writing from people that you've known. You mm-hmm. may not have really known many Native Americans in your yeah, life. Exactly. So your thought process is, oh, I'm going to design this after my uncle, I'm going to design this after my friend. And they all happen to be Caucasian or Latinos or something else. Uh, in my frame thought, when I'm developing characters, I'm always developing after people, cousins and relatives that I know, and they're Native and Latino. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I don't want to write a white character. I have tons of white characters in my screenplays. Uh, but I get it. I get mm-hmm. where writers and casting directors are coming from. When you give them an archetype, like, I need a, a handsome romantic type. 
and they're going to go back to high school and think, oh, who was I in love with in high school, and what did he look like, and uh, more than likely, it's going to be a white guy, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, so, that, and that paradigm could have a huge shift in a hundred years, just yeah. naturally, even though we are obviously attempting to solve that problem now. But I think part of that solution is thinking that we're past it, when really we could still just right be at the beginning of it, you yeah. know. So we couldn't even marry people of a different race. Not too long ago. Not too long ago. Yeah. We're, pretty, we're in a pretty infantile state of, of racial harmony. And hopefully, this, this is tangential, but kids right now are, are growing up in, to be such better people than we are. You know, they, if you look at, at teenage kids now, and pedo jokes aside, I teach kids improv and so I, I get a good feeling for what where their mindsets are and they're so racially and sexually and everything accepting and it's yeah. such a nice paradigm change it's I call it the tumblr generation you know where everybody and and this is going to carry over in 10 years they're going to be the ones making films in 30 years they're going to be the ones executive producing films so I think if we just stay true to, to what we feel is right feel like it's swelling below us the right things are coming mm-hmm. so we as filmmakers now need to need to nurture that and usher it in that right. direction so. yeah and hopefully the audience will grow with that too because they're the ones that aren't really um, they're the ones that are out there buying tickets and that aren't that aware of these issues that um, the way that we are you know in, in the fact that they don't care they're just there to see entertainment and we're being sensitive about it because we're the creators of it um, it, it also extends to sexism and ageism. That's a big thing right now, too. And it, I don't see anybody really talking about that that much. You know, like, I made a meme the other day of Johnny Depp because he's not a fucking sex symbol anymore. <laughs> he looks like shit. He looks like fucking Mickey Rourke now. He looks like a nightmare. Um, and he's an aging, it's a matter of fact that he's an aging, old, kind of sack of shit looking dude now. And um, people talk about women looking like shit as they age all the fucking time. And it's just like there's a total double standard because oh, yeah. men can age and look like crap constantly and get big fat heads and get have alcoholism and all this shit and nobody yes. but people are talking about Meg Ryan's lips. It's like who fucking cares? Like give her a role, let her act. She doesn't look that bad, at least she was doing something about it, you know. Um, I saw a preview for a movie called Equity with Anna Gunn as the star, and I was like, whoa, a woman who is older as a lead in a movie. This is weird, and I don't want to think like that, you know. Like, she's yeah. an excellent actress. Well, Monica she, Bellucci in the last Bond film, they made a big stink about because of her age. Oh, yeah. Um, Deadpool, the, the woman in that is like 36, and that's kind of <laughs> old for Hollywood, right? <laughs> yeah, and everybody jokes about it and everything, but it's like an acceptable joke. Game of Thrones does a nice job. And Game of Thrones does a great job of helping older women in there that are sexy, you know. And, and mm-hmm. But there's very few women who are older that men will be like, she looks pretty good. But, you know, like Helen Mirren, I think, is the only like older woman I can think of that's kind of accepted as, as like a, you know, decent-looking woman who can act. So that's Hot another, th- <laughs> yeah, but then see, that's the thing and that's acceptable and it's like a total boys club in Hollywood too. So I don't see that changing anytime soon and that's too bad because there's a lot of great um, actresses out there and I don't even know, like, yeah, I even feel weird saying the word actress as opposed to, as opposed to actor because that's kind of old school too. Did you guys know Scarlett Johansson gets nude and under the skin? 
I wanted to verify that with you. So, and her sure, body looks normal. Sure I would bore a hole in her head and pour bleach into it and make her a sex in robot a, zombie. In a New York minute. In a New York minute. Yes. All right, I think we used up those 10 minutes. <laughs> and in summation, uh, who is your sex robot again, Mike? He oh. forgot. Oh, sorry, uh, Amber Heard. All right, good. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, thanks for listening to this fifth episode of Chimp Chat and Chill. Um, check us out on the web, crownchimpfilms.com, Facebook and Twitter, same thing. Oh, yeah.